Hello people, it's Callum from the Hustling With Houses podcast. Today we have Will Whitaker on, uh, also known as The Property Mank on Instagram. Will specialises in HMOs in the Manchester and Greater Manchester area. If you are enjoying these podcasts, please be kind enough to leave a five-star review. It really helps us grow the podcast. All the best, people. So, Will, welcome to the, the Hustling With Houses podcast, mate. How's things? Good, mate. Thanks for having me. Thank you. No problem at all. No problem at all. Well, so, um, like I say, thanks for coming on. I know you, you, you're quite the expert in, in sort of HMO, so we'll get straight into it. Yeah. So, how how long have you been involved in the game, Will? Um, HMOs, it's funny, really, because I did, my first two HMOs, I had a very, very bad experience with, and I swore that I would never do one again. Um, when I look back, that was more to do with the people involved than the HMO, you know, a HMO itself. But yeah, I, I was involved with someone who didn't do things properly, shall we say, they, you know, they, they had no drawings. They were sort of making it up as they go along. They were trying to cram an HMO into any property they could get their hands on. And yeah, I just finished them and swore that I'd never do one again. That was probably five, five six years ago. And then... They were the first two I did. And then I, I just kind of fell back into them purely by chance. Someone's like, have you ever done HMO? I was like, yeah, yeah, I have. I'll have a look at it for you. And then since then, I took two on. And I've just never looked back, really, to be honest. I've just, that was probably four years ago. Um, and I think with the latest project that I've just picked up now, I will have done 61 HMO rooms in total. Jeez. When that's complete. Yeah. Spot on. So I know you you mentioned drawings there. How how important are drawings? Do you think they think they're they're really important or hugely important, mate? Hugely important. Like I've I've done an Instagram post on this because I I, I always get people saying things like, "Oh, I can do drawings," or "I know such a body who can do drawings," and it's like back of a fag packet type thing. So you might you know you might save three three four hundred quid on your drawings, which you've got three four hundred quid in your pocket, but the hassle that you would then have from starting to finishing that project would just be like ridiculous. It's like having a good set of drawings answers questions before they need to be asked. So the more information you can get on your drawings, the less hassle you're going to get as the project manager of that job. Because all you electricians, your plumbers, you know, that everyone knows to an extent, where they're going, you're always going to get queries, but a decent set of drawings just sets you off on the right foot and backs away needless queries for you throughout the project. Yeah, yeah, they definitely are important. I, I, to be honest, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna get to them first, and then I realised sort of how important they were, and thought, right, I'll have to get some box for the sake of for the sake of what it is, like you say, a few hundred quid or whatever. It's it's neither here or there. Is it? You may as well just get them in, get them done, and and get a, a proper project on the way. So. Obviously, with HMOs, then what what do you think are some of the some of the key criterias when when sourcing a HMO? Um, areas, obviously, you need you need to know your you need to know your areas, um, and your your target market of tenants is a big one. So you, you know before you start, you need to know who you're catering for, and then obviously that impacts is it, if it stacks as a good deal or not. Um, 
rental demand in the area. So we'll always do like a dummy ad. If, when, when we find a potential property, we'll do like a dummy advert and see what sort of response we get to that. And generally, you know, because we know the areas quite well, we generally get inundated. But obviously that was earlier down the, sort of further back down the line, whereas now we're, we're kind of working in the same areas. So there's less there's less need for us to do that really. Do you know what I mean? We're buying the same areas and we're building in the same areas. Yeah, and they tend to be the same sort of. Obviously, if you're doing the same areas, are they usually the same sort of same sort of house in terms of like structure and stuff like that, or do they tend to be quite different? We, we just take them as they come, really. To be honest, I mean, um, obviously, we'll always look to maximise returns and get you know. A, it's all about the end product, really, because it's not just you know your end product gives you tenant a comfortable place to live, but it also it also helps you with your end valuation and, and getting money back out. Do you know what I mean? So when I go back to talking about this bad experience I had with it, with HMOs in the past, you don't want to be cramming five and six beds into a tiny little terraced house because yeah, it's going to be less appealing for people to then live in. And then in turn, obviously that impacts your end products that, that you've got. So yeah. Um, with, with, with that then, Will, because obviously you don't want to cram too many too many people in one house and stuff like that. But what what will be a good way to maximise returns? Obviously, Jerolands is, is definitely one. Is there any others that you, you'd recommend? Um, you, you know, your number of rooms and obviously decent sized rooms. It's like I say, I, I get a lot of people come coming to me going, I'm going to turn this into a five bed, and it's like it it they literally just work to the millimetre. So it's like you know, you'll get your drawings done and say, right, that's a five bed. And you'll be so tight, you've got no room for manoeuvre. You are going to come across issues during an HMO development. There's no two ways about it. You will get like, oh, the hot water cylinder won't actually fit there. We're going to need to move it somewhere else. Or, you know, this bedroom's not quite big enough and we're going to have to jig this around slightly. Or, you know, you're going to get that. It's, it's, it's unavoidable. It's just life. So when you're working in a tiny property to the last inch, it, it when something like that does crop up, it massively hinders you. Whereas when you've got a bigger, um, a bigger property, obviously you've got miles more room for manoeuvre. So if if and when an issue does crop up, you go, all right, well, what we'll do, we'll just take a little bit off the communal area for a boiler cupboard or something like that. It, it's just having room to play with helps and and not crap like I say, not cramming rooms in. So there was one example we had um, planning for a seven bed rejected. So I was like, right, are we going to appeal it? In the end, we never appealed it. We left it as a six bed and we ended up getting, because because obviously where the seventh room was going to be, we had a much bigger communal area. So we had a big communal kitchen with a nice dining room stroke, like television snug off it. And we ended up getting the same, or I think even a little bit more in terms of rental income or what we would have got with the seven bed because of the big communal area. So it's not always a case of, how many rooms can you cram into that? You've got to look at the overall picture. And again, like comfort for you, for you, for your tenants, because in that case, it showed that it's not a case of fitting as many rooms as you can into, into a property. Yeah. That's a massive point. And like you say, people don't want to be in a, a little boxy square room. Do they want, they want space. They want to be able to potentially work in there and stuff like that. And I think, um, I've seen a lot coming into the auctions recently where we are and, and especially in, in Liverpool that, you know, people a few years ago built a lovely looking HMO, you know, good spec and stuff like that. But 
the rooms are quite boxy. And, you know, over yeah. time, in years to come, the room size required, they're going to be cracking down on HMOs. The room size requirements yeah. are only going to get bigger. They're not going to get smaller. So it's, it's, scary. it's scary for people who are who are doing a boxy, boxy room. And then yeah. you know, in two, three years, we had, we had one, in, as I noticed, that went on an auction where the bathroom was so small and they've changed the requirements now where we are to, it's probably the same way you are to, they've changed the requirements and basically they've had to sell the HMO because otherwise each ensuite would have had to been ripped down and, you know, ripped down and, and put back up and they're just hoping someone's not clued up and they're just going to buy that HMO and then the license yeah. guy will come around and be like, listen, mate, you'll have to get that sorted. So it's 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 one of them. It's, it's, it's madness, but it's knowing... It's being educated on it, isn't it? Which is which, obviously, massive. Definitely, mate. It's, it's like I say to people all the time: people think you can just buy any property and turn it into an HMO, and it could not be any further from the truth. It's like, in theory, like size-wise, yeah, you can, but there's so much more to think of. It's like Salford, where we started doing a lot of our HMOs first, they've clamped right down now, so it's. Salford's like a history of HMO to me because some of the ones I go in historically are like, they're more like a prison than compared to what the standard is now. It's like unbelievable that at one time that they were getting licenses and they were acceptable to, to what the standard is now. That's why we always look for the bigger properties because like you say, it's, it's an ever-changing land, landscape. It's a moving target all the time. So future-proofing them as well is massive because like there's landlords who've got massive portfolios now and they're going to be like, at some point, they're going to be in trouble because they're not going to be, they're not going to be to regs and license. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think social media is a massive one for that since social media has started. Obviously social media is yeah. now, but I mean, since people started posting their, their end product and stuff like that, I think that's yeah. changed and it's, it's, it's elevated the, the sort of HMO market. Like you say, I, I know some, we have been in loads that, uh, still trying to run as HMOs and you do get people, you do still get tenants in there, but at the end of the day, it's it's not the tenants you really want. And, and, and you get, I think, I'm not just blaming it on sort of Southern investors, but we get a lot of, obviously where we are Northwest, you get a lot of Southern investors coming up, don't you? And, and like you say, they, they, they some of them, um, because, it, because the houses are so cheap, they, they, they tend to like, in my opinion, not all of them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not slating no one, but they tend tend to cram cram a lot of rooms. I think. Um, but it's it's knowing your market and knowing the knowing your um your location most definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, hundred percent. So do you, you obviously do a mix and a match, don't you? You do professional HMOs and you do some student HMOs in, in where you are in Manchester. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What are, what are the sort of differences between them then? Because you've obviously got the the same sort of concept, but definitely different. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, obviously, like I say, we've always got the end valuation in mind, so it doesn't drastically affect our product in terms of, you know, oh, this is going to be full of students and they're going to, they're going to you know, not respect it as much, so we'll, we'll, we'll drop the spec. We don't really work like that. Our product is, is our product, but what you do have to have in mind is, like, in student areas, obviously you'll get a massive turnover of tenants compared to your other areas because mm -hmm. student, you know, it's more nomadic and they're in set periods that they're away from home, set periods of time than the year end and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, you do get a big, a bigger turnover of tenants, but then 
it's just your it's just it's just really the location more really that that where we know we have to cater for tenants. That's that's yeah, that's it really. Do you, so do you pick up many many existing HMOs then at all? No, no. So you won't pick up a HMO that's existing and, and sort of redevelop it, not at all. Then, I mean, I'll, I'll, if the opportunity came about, I wouldn't sort of rule it out. But it's not. We we always just because of the nature of my background, obviously. I, my before I got into the, heavily into the HMO side and the property side of things, I've had a construction company for about eight years now, and I've done large scale projects in that. I've done a project just short of a million quid in value on its own. So I'm kind of coming into it from the other side of things, where people in property tend to sort of start a little bit smaller and then work the way up. They might go to like a single let, and then they might think right, five bed HMO, ten bed HMO, and so on and so on. I'm kind of coming at it from the other end. So I've done the bigger projects away from property. So, you know, to me, like picking up an old pub and putting a, a huge HMO in it doesn't really phase me because I've been there and done that. Not in that sense as in a, a big HMO in, a, in an old pub, but I've done the big value projects in the past. So, yeah, it, 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 I, I've kind of came coming to it the other way, like I say. Yeah, what's what's the leg work like between the difference between your standard, say six bed, six bedroom HMO and, and your sort of commercial conversion? What what I imagine it's a lot more work. Is is that right? Or um, from like you from like a standard residential to HMO, which is a lot of the sort of stuff you see on Instagram, which is like around the six bed permitted development kind of thing. It depends what it is. So, for example. It's more, you know, the strip out phase. If you're in an old office, it's a commercial building. It it can be a totally different animal, really. You know, because the residential HMOs are just like a standard strip out, really, and you're taking it back to a bare shell. <clears throat> Obviously, you have a commercial, but just just size, really. I suppose it's, it's just yeah. a lot bigger scale. It depends what the building's been in the past. Do you know what I mean? I've seen a lot of people working in old churches now, which is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Just, just, just depends on the on the on the project itself and the building itself, really. Yeah. Do you get involved much in sort of planning side? I know a lot of people do a six yeah. bed and maybe do C three to C four. Do you do much of that kind of stuff? Or yeah, yeah. So we do everything like from end to end. So we'll we'll like source properties, um, go right through the planning application, assist with the sale if needs be. You know, if the person's not local, um getting the drawings done, planning apps, collecting keys on completion, and then right through to, like, not only the build, obviously the build, but then um, tenant in, furniture, furniture packs, tenant in, and then management as well. Yeah, that's spot on. We we had um, we had Nick Smith on the other day, and I was speaking to him. He's just done a six-bed HMO in Ipswich, I think it was, and he was saying about... Right. Doing the six bed and obviously because that that's my that's my next project to be honest I'm going for the I'm going for a six bed HMO and nice. there's one there's one I've seen by us and with what he what he he wants to say he wants to say an amount and if I knew for a fact I was going to get the commercial valuation on it I'd go for it at that price but with the six bed it's quite tough isn't it to 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 get that commercial valuation well I, 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 it depends who you talk to like I've seen. There's people on Instagram who swear they've had commercial valuations on a five bed. Mm. Um, so I know for a fact I've seen commercial valuations on six beds. I've never seen one on a five bed. But the, what, the, the way I always see it is, to me, that is not a residential dwelling anymore. 
because, you know, you couldn't move a family into, well, I suppose you could, but it's not very practical for a family. To me, it's a commercial building all day long because you've got to think, what would the cost implication be to turn that back into a residential dwelling for a family? So for my money, it is a commercial building and it should have a commercial valuation. However, I'm not the lenders, am I? But the, the, there are lenders out there who will do. I think I think the grey area is when the not when you've got like a six bed with maybe three en suites. Yeah, I, th- I think that's when you can struggle to get the commercial valuation. But I mean, my advice would be just always do your research, speak to lenders initially, and say, look, this is what I'm planning on doing. Is this something you would consider? And then you, you're not guessing. But for me, like I say, a six bed all en suite should have no problem achieving a commercial valuation. Yeah. I know I know some people like to I was saying again to to, to Nick when he was on the other day about uh Mitch Nunn, I'm not too sure if you're onto him, but he he yeah. he kind of puts like um commercial commercial carpets like the t- the tiled carpet to make it look opposite in the in the communal halls and stuff like that. Is there any tips you would give to make it look a bit commercially? Is it is, is there anything that you do on a six bed to to make it look that like you say, in my opinion, it's it's a commercial. Once that goes to a six bed with six en suites, in my opinion, that's a that's a commer- that's a commercial building. But like you say, the lenders are completely different, and you know, we we all know how awkward lenders like to be. Is there anything? Yeah, I mean, I've never done anything like aesthetically like that. But I mean, what 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 I would do is I would always take get it tenanted. And take the tenancy agreements to the valuation and say, look, this is what this building is achieving. It's not what I think it might achieve, or I'm gonna ask for this a month. This is a factually, as you can see by these tenancy agreements, this is what this building's achieving. So, you know, it depends whether it's yield-based, but yeah, not not aesthetically. I mean, as I said, the the aesthetically it would always just be yeah. to try and push that ceiling value as much as possible. But um, yeah, I just think yeah, tenanted first definitely is, is is a big tip. That is a great tip. That yeah, that's it's a, it's an idea that because like you say, it's a, it's a the, the proof's in the pudding there, then isn't it? Well, it's facts, um, isn't it? You, you're, you're not you're not you're not speculating. You're talking facts. Yeah, most definitely. And it, is it? Did you, you go out on Manchester much? Is it mostly Manchester, Salford area, or? Um, well, Salford is Salford's become a lot more difficult now because. The clamp down on the licensing. I mean, I don't know how well you know the Manchester area, but Salford has been like the mecca for HMOs for a long time because of because of its location just outside the city centre, not too far away, but close enough at the same time. Mm. You know, um, you've got Media City now. You've got great transport links. It's just perfectly located. So, going back to when I was saying some of those very dodgy old HMOs in Salford. People are moving out of Salford now, like into the surrounding areas. So you've got like Bolton, um, Failsworth near Oldham is a good one. Berry. I mean, the 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 thing is with the with the housing crisis the way it is, there's a, there's a short a mass shortage of, of accommodation and homes. So um, if obviously as long as you're not in the middle of nowhere and you do your research properly, then it works. The model definitely works. Yeah, and I didn't realize like you, the likes of your Berry and your and your Oldham and stuff like that. They are with the transport links Manchester has. They're mega me- yeah. clubs, like aren't they? And and I think every every time I go to Manchester now, like I usually go on the train. To be honest, they usually drive yeah. up them, but there's constantly a new building there, or there's constantly cranes yeah. there. It's mad the uh, the infinite and the the investment they get. 
Manchester. Yeah, the, the, the centre of Manchester now is just unbelievable. Like, I can go two or three weeks without going into the city centre and I'll be driving in. I'll be like, wow, that wasn't there last time. They, they, they're literally just throwing them up on every street corner. It's 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 absolutely mental, to be honest, mate. Yeah, so to have, like you say, these little towns all around on the outskirts where you can be in the city centre in 10, 15 minutes, Um Makes it makes perfect for people who are commuting to and from the city centre for HMOs. Yeah, is your got is, is is are you just going to sort of blast Manchester? Is that your plan? You stay in Manchester. You obviously know it like the back of your hand. You've clearly grew up there and stuff like that. Is your plan to stay there and and get get as many as you can there? If you like, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously the 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 ideal is is to stick to the areas that you know and stick to what you know. But I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't in in future I do want to move on to like bigger development so I wouldn't rule out going further afield I mean historically what before I got deep into the property when I was just doing the construction and the insurance restoration that I started the business doing I would I would be in Blackpool I would be in Morecambe I would be in Lancaster the Lake District so mm. it's it's at that time it was just totally normal to to have to travel to to the job so I, I certainly wouldn't rule it out but probably on the same note based on my knowledge of these local areas it wouldn't at the moment I'm kind of happy where I am and around where I am yeah 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 and um looking looking into the future then is that where you plan what you're planning on doing are you planning on going into bigger developments and and for, sort of when you say bigger developments you mean sort of from the ground up Possibly, yeah, it does interest me. I would like to do, I would like to do from the ground up. But when I say bigger developments, like for the time being, I'm, I, I do, I do like the commercial to residential um, hubs, offices, and I think there'll be massive opportunity for, for for that going forward. I think, especially with like the death of the high street, there's you know there's a lot of shops yeah. closing down. You can, you know you can get anything online now next day almost, can't you? Yeah. So, Pubs are closing at record rates, aren't they? And and coupled with, like I said, the national housing shortage, I just think it's going to be an opportunity right for picking, to be honest. So yeah, that that interests me. I mean, like I I've read in the YPM magazines about pubs being converted into like twenty or thirty bed HMOs. So that 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 would be something that would definitely interest me in the future. Yeah. Why 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 do you think that is? Well, why do you think a lot of people? Love that because a lot of people there's a lot of hype around sort of commercial conversions. Is it because the big there's bigger spaces in there that you can do you know set up walls and stuff like that? Is it because why do you think, in your opinion, that, that there is a lot of hype around the commercial conversion? In my opinion, I don't know why I'm not clued up on it. So, is it because there's more space in there to work with? What, what do you think it is? I think, um, I think probably just. Returns to be honest, mate. I think if you're, you know, if you're like I say, doing a lot of the six, seven beds, it's not going to be long before you think, hang on a minute, you know, I can get this. If it's going to take me four or five of these to get to where I can get in one pub conversion or one office conversion, yeah. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, that I mean, obviously, with bigger returns comes bigger management headaches and bigger, but that's just par for the course, isn't it? You know what I mean? That's yeah, is what it is. Most definitely, and I think, like you say, obviously, with 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 the death of the high street and stuff like that, you're probably picking up a, a nice little bargain, aren't you? And um, 
and with, with the higher numbers comes the higher valuation. So most definitely. So what what's the what's the script with the management part of your business then? How's that doing? Do you do you, do you manage quite a bit? Do you manage quite a bit for other people? How, how do you? How do you I, I don't I don't manage I don't manage anything personally. No, because I'm too busy. I'm too busy with the other elements of it. It's just we just take that on sort of under our umbrella. Uh, I don't have anything to do with it in in terms of being hands on, because a the construction company is takes up ninety percent of my time, and then when you add the other elements onto that, you know, that it, I just wouldn't have the time to even think about managing anything. And I don't particularly want to either. <laughs> no disrespect to anyone who may, uh, you know, do that kind of thing. I don't blame you, to be honest, mate. I, I, I looked at it, I was thinking of potentially starting a, a business doing maybe, you know, management. And then I thought, I, I sat down and thought of it and thought, do I really want to be... Man- managing all these all these tenants and, and, and projects and stuff like that and yeah I, di- I didn't end up didn't end up following through with it but um yeah so what, what are some of your plans for 2024 then what, what have you got in store have you got any on at the moment what have you what are you up to at the moment um i've just collected the keys for an office to eight bed conversion that's for another client um so i'm starting that that you'll see that post about that on instagram and then in the main, just carry on growing, carry on picking up opportunities, carry on um, pushing and pushing, yeah, and and hopefully just get to the point. Well, I don't know. I, I, I know people say I want to get to this point, I want to get to that point, but I think I think as you grow, you just set yourself more goals, don't you? It's like I know guys who are like ten years in front of me, and they say, "Well, when I get to X, I'm gonna just pack in and just sit back," and they never do. They are, they're, you know, they can't, they, they can't leave it alone. It's like I've got. Guys who I know are like, yeah, I'm, this is my last development now, and then that's me. I'm done. I'm just gonna go, and and they'll they'll finish the development. We'll go on holiday, and then they'll be like, oh, I'm buying this. I've got this going through, and it, it just, I don't, I, I don't think. I think it, I think it's just too addicting and too interesting. I think you know, it's 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 like the thrill of the the thrill of the chase, really, because yeah. you're always getting deals put under your nose, and I just think. I don't know. I, I doubt myself whether whether I'll ever be in a position to say, "Nah, I'm done now, mate." You know, I, yeah, yeah. I just I just think the short answer to the question is just continued growth and 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 keep building. But that that was going to be my next question. Is it is is it is it fun? It's definitely fun to me. Is it is it fun to you? Because I see it like you said. Then I I know a lot of I know a lot of investors who are maybe you know 60, 65, and and. And we speak about property and stuff like that, and they, they they see a house now, and I show them like a house I might be doing or something like that, and they'd be like, I'd, "Gone are the days for me." They just want to turnkey buy to let. They've been through it. I know one guy, and um, he's he's about he's about seventy odd, and um, he just he just used to do flips, and yeah, in his in his time he was doing eighty in a year, 80, wow. eighty flips a year, just literally trading, blah 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 blah, and. Absolutely incredible. Like, but for me, it's fun. It's fun. I don't know if it's because I'm so early on, but I, I love it. I don't know about you, but I love it. Yeah, I do. I mean, ups and downs. That you know, it's. I, I just try and not get too disheartened when things are not going well, and also not get too ahead of myself when things are you know are, are, are going well because nothing ever lasts, does it? At the end of the day, you know, and everything's temporary. So. You're gonna have good days and bad days, but yeah, in general, I mean, it's stressful sometimes managing trades and managing lads. I mean, I've got like five, six lads who work for me full time just on the construction side. That's before I even 
think about bringing subcontract sparkies and plumbers in and blah, blah, blah. So it can get stressful. Do you know what I mean? It can, I've got to admit. And I do, I do have days where I think, you know, this is hard. But ups and downs and swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Like I said, I don't get too far up, don't get too down. It's just just enjoy the ride, really. So, yeah, I do I do on the whole. I, I do. And, and like you say, you can be having a, a bad day and then a deal will come across your desk and then you, before you know it, you're thinking, wow, decent, you know. Yeah, so it, on the whole, I do. I, I do. I love it. I've got to admit. Yeah, that's it. And what what would be the favourite, you, you've out of all the ones you've done, what would be one of the favourite deals you've done? Um, I, I don't, it's hard to say really because the, I definitely, I definitely would, I, I definitely would say the commercial to Resi. So there was one that was a shot ground floor, and then five bed HMO above. I would say that that was my first commercial to residential proper as well. So I would say that that was one of the more enjoyable ones. I, I te- like when I look back at some of the five beds I've done in the past, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch them again because, like I said, going back to what I said earlier about not having no room for manoeuvre and stuff like that. So, yeah, it de- definitely the bigger scale stuff, the the, the, the larger stuff. Yeah. I, I Like, how, how did you sort of educate yourself then, Will? Because obviously you've been in the bill game, but it's still a completely, completely different game, different side to the investing game. Like, a bit off topic, but there was a there was a shop by us and they had, it was a sort of direct-to-vendor one. And the guy... I went past it and I'd done a little land registry check on it, seen that it was seen that it was empty, board the windows, all that. And I uh, I did a I did a I did a land registry check, got in got got in contact with the owner. The owner actually owned the re- a restaurant by us. I rang the restaurant, got in touch with him, did a bit of research and stuff. And uh, he offered me it. And at the time, it's because I wasn't educated at the time, it seemed it all seemed too risky. But knowing what I know now, that would have been an absolute cracking deal. So how, how did you educate yourself? Because you've obviously come in from it, like you say, a different side. Is it just is it just YouTube learning? And and how did you learn? Um, I think firstly you've got to be, you, you've got to like know your limitations. At the end of the day, you don't know what you don't know, dear. And there's a lot of cliches that are true, like that one I've just used. You don't know what you don't know. So I think never be, never be scared to ask for help. Um. Like I go to the networking, I go to the monthly pin meetings every month and the value I've had out of them in terms of education is like I couldn't even put into words. It's just absolutely out of this world. Um, the speakers that they have on, you pick up pick up bits and bats from that, but then you get, you know, you'll network and you'll get numbers. So you'll you, you'll think, for example, something will crop up and you think, oh, such a body who spoke at pin. I can, I can go to him and speak at that. So... Networking's a big one. I mean, I just started off really. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, which again is like a massive cliche, in pro- especially in property. But I, I don't think I've ever read a book that struck a chord with, with me as much because it's like kind of the standard nine to five has always made me raise an eyebrow. Like, yeah. mm, you know, is that really? Is that it? Is that all there is? So then I suppose I, I just started watching. Homes under the hammer, quite standard, really, and then listening to podcasts and stuff like that, and then it kind of dovetailed well with being in the construction industry. So, podcast books, magazines, yeah. and then I, and then I remortgaged my house, 
have a, a couple of buy to lets from that and then just grew from there really so i think the, the key one is the, is the networking because i was guilty of like people used to say to me wow well you've got a construction company people people will, will be queuing up to work with you and i'd be like well where are they then where are they but then i'd be sat on my settee at night like almost waiting for someone to come and walk down my drive knock on my door and feeling sorry for myself that they weren't doing that. So then once you start networking and once you get yourself out there and get on Instagram, for example, and show the value that you are bringing, yeah. that, that's when things start to take off. And it's, it's yeah, that that, that would, would is kind of network. Your network is, is the big one, I think, who, who, who you know. and Because what, what you'll find in, in property, there's always someone who knows more than you, but the, it, there's no, comp, there's not, I, I don't, from, in the circles I move in, I don't think there's a lot of competition. Mm. People will fall over themselves to help you and people will go out of the way to help you. So use it and tap into it because, you know, it's invaluable. The, 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 you learn from other people's mistakes. Most definitely. I agree with that as well. The property community is very, very helpful and, and, and like you say, we'll go out the way to help you. And I, I know a couple of builders who are like sort of friends and stuff like that. And and I've always said that. I've always said if you were on Instagram and you were showcasing what you do and you were showcasing what you knew about HMOs or just just things like that, I think I think it's massive. Like you said, sitting on yeah. the patch and waiting for the phone to call, but then complaining why you're not getting enough work is is it's it's contradictory, isn't it? But um yeah. but will I, I think it's a good point to end on. It's been it's been great to have you on. Um, Thanks, mate. If if anyone if anyone's looking to invest or 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 get a bill done by you, where's the best place to contact you? I know you're quite uh, lively on Instagram. Where's the best place Instagram to- probably initially, yeah. Instagram initially, and then um, pick up from there. Most definitely. Well, I'll put all the all the details in the show notes, and um, I think I'm thinking about going that pin meeting in in Manchester next month. So I may see you there. I don't know what date it is, but lovely, mate. Yeah, hopefully see you there. Hopefully, mate. Hopefully, I'm going. Uh, I think it's I'm going Chester one to tomorrow. I think so. I'm going to start trying to put myself out there a little bit more. It's 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 hard. Definitely it? recommend it, mate. It is it is hard. And once you get past that first couple of times standing up and speaking and introducing yourself, it becomes a lot easier. But like I say, mate, I, I can't even begin to put into words the value I've had from it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I look forward to it, mate. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do 50 sorts of events or networking events this year. So hopefully I, I get it done. But like I say, thanks for coming on. Well, I know we've been trying to box it for a little while. So thank you so much. Yeah. Hopefully see thanks you. Thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. Nice one. No problem at all. Well, thank you very much. All the best. Cheers, mate. mate. Bye.